Hey, welcome to this episode of Footnotes. Today we're talking to someone that actually I've wanted to talk to you for quite some time, and it's Chad Rochester, founder of The Pearson Collective. And you may have heard of The Pearson Collective because they're the group that make footnotes sound good and look good. They've been with us from the beginning, and I've always thought that his story of leaving a profession and starting a business was one that needed to be told. I can't wait for you to hear it next on Footnotes. Well, we're here today, Chad Rochester, founder at um, the Pearson Collective. And Chad, I mean, I got to tell you, and you're going to laugh or you're going to react somehow, but I've been waiting for this one because, I mean, you guys have been, you you guys are the ones that, that make footnotes sound good and look good since episode two. And I think you're, we're shooting number 48. Um, and I guess let's just start kind of at the beginning. I mean, you weren't always, you weren't always Pearson Collective. You weren't always doing that. So what were you doing before then? Take us, how, what stage of life were you in? Like what was going on? Um, well, in high school, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Go way back. Yeah. Um, First I was born. Yeah. And then I was in, <laughs> no, I, uh, before Pearson Collective, I was teaching high school. Um, I, what before, did you, what did you teach? I taught English. Okay. So high school English. I um, uh, prior to that I was playing music, and then I went to school for the for teaching high school English, very specific degree, mm-hmm. and that was great for the first four or five years, six years, um, and then it wasn't great. Not because of the students, not because of the parents, not because of my school. I always feel like I need to say that <clears throat> it was more. Um, structural issues, right? Okay. Essentially, a focus on standardized testing was kind of forcing me to do things that I philosophically disagreed with. Like, I felt like I couldn't do what I needed to do for my students. And I feel like you can only push back against that for so long. Um, so I kind of like ended up in a, you know, a tough spot where I was like, I think I'm going to leave. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I had a moment of just being like, I have, I have to quit teaching. And my wife was like, okay which really threw me for a loop. So, um, wait, it, it threw you for a loop that she was she understood was like, okay. that she understood that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no hesitation. I was like, Oh, so when I ended up switching schools, uh, I was kind of an, I was an international baccalaureate coordinator for the past few years, which was a lot of like logistical stuff, um, kind of a lead teacher role. So I left that school and went to a different school just to see if any frustrations if they were bigger than one school, which they were. And so uh, midway through that year, I was like, I, you know, have to leave. But then it's like, well, what do I do? You know, I don't want to stay in education, so I'm going to leave. I applied to everything you can imagine, like project management positions, like communications positions. Just this is, you know, pre-COVID. So the great resignation hadn't happened yet. So I guess it was tough to get a job, especially with really like, like, a master's of teaching secondary education. You know, it's like right, very specific. Yeah. yeah. Midway through that year, I was like, well, I'm not getting any calls. I really enjoy doing some videography, which I've been doing for some friends in different capacities. And so it hit me like, wait a minute, businesses need quality video and photography. And there's a huge gap between a high, like full level video production firm mm-hmm. and your niece with a camera that's in college or or whatever. Like there's this big gap. Um, And so I just thought like, hey, I can freelance and potentially make a teacher salary, which is kind of a low bar. Um, 
And so from the get-go, I was just like, I'll try freelancing. I don't want to call it Chad Rochester Media or anything like that. Because if it works out, it'd be great to have other people involved. Hence the name, the Pearson Collective. My middle name's Pearson. So that's kind of where it came from, even though it kind of sounds like a textbook company. Now that I think about it. But anyway, it was one of those decisions you make in like 24 hours and you didn't think it was going to last four years, five years, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what led up to the Pearson Collective. How long did you... So it sounds like you still had your day job um, and we're, we're doing that. How long... Be- between you know, your day job and this kind of thing on the side and then it becoming sort of your full-time? Well, I kind of was in a unique situation in that I finished my contract. So I finished teaching the, that school year through May, but you get paid through the end of the summer. And then I announced, you know, just kind of like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. And within the first month or so, this was like April of the last year of my teaching, um, I had to take time off to do this work. So it was kind of a good, it bode well that maybe this can work out. And then I was like, I'm going to give it the summer and see if that continues. And then I was also in a unique position where I could just put everything back into the business and kind of grow it that way. And then the following fall. So I guess it's just kind of a tricky answer because I was kind of like, I'm just going to give it a go. There's no like number on a whiteboard or anything that I was shooting for because I knew we, my wife, still working and we um you know it's saved and we're like let's give it if this a try if things go terribly wrong i could still probably get a teaching job in the middle of the following year that was kind of the bad. yeah i mean you had a fallback what what was it like um because i think chad i think a lot of people watch this and they are they are maybe where you were in other words they've got an idea they've got something that they're doing and maybe they're even getting paid for it but they still got the day job what was it like when you realized that you had sort of the freedom to leave the day job and, and pursue Pearson? I was excited about it, but I also was kind of like, I think until maybe this year, I'm always just like, this is just probably not going to work out. You know, like we'll just keep doing the best we can, but it might not work out. You know, and it's like maybe a strange view of, you know, how to approach a business. I think that's the, the thing is like, I didn't really set out to, to run a business. I just enjoy creating things. Um, and so when I set out, that was the fulfilling thing. Like, oh, I'm getting to work with these really cool companies, like, you know, guitar pedal companies. My friend was traveling and got to go on tour with him, like really cool things. Um, and then I was even enjoying creating, you know, for like a mortgage company or something. It was kind of like a challenge, and so I found that enjoyable. So I felt some freedom in it, but it wasn't like this rush of like, oh, I'm going to give this thing a go. So when you were when you started <laughs> full time, I mean, where how did you how did you get jobs? I I still haven't figured out how we get clients. I think <laughs> um, you know we've I've lived here a long time and and know a lot of people so early on. You know, friends of would would give me an opportunity. And then that would go well, and then it was word of mouth. And so I think that's just kind of how we kept things going for the past, you know, three or four years. Like you gave us a chance really early on. That was like within our first year. Um, And we had kind of like some relationships with people where we got to do like a mortgage company and then like a law firm and then like a school district or something where 
right out of the gate, it kind of like validated that we could do work across you know, different um, industries. And then somewhere around like the fall of the first year of trying this, um, maybe it was earlier than that, but really quickly everyone's like, oh, we just like, you can do video. You know, will you do this video? We do this video. And then I found this kind of like pull of like just being like a videographer, right? Which is like, like a wedding and, and that's great, you know, or like an event thing. Mm -hmm. But Eric, who came on within, I mean, the first project he was there, um, he still had his job, but he was the photographer and he's kind of like, like we together are the Pearson Collective. And so he early on pulled me aside and was like, hey, what do you want this thing to be? Like you have this idea of growing like a creative firm that can have a lot of different people at the same table, creating really cool things for all sorts of companies. Mm -hmm. And that's very different than like taking every video job that comes. Mm -hmm. And so having someone like that kind of helped me like refocus where I wanted to go mm -hmm. and then make some strategic decisions after that was, was super important. Um, and then with that in mind, everything, like kind of the way we approach it is like, if we're doing the project, whatever it is, photo, video, anything like that, then it has to be the best thing we've ever done. You know, and that changes like three years ago, what was the best thing we, in our minds had ever done, we would look at now and be like, oh, you know, we wanna change this. <laughs> but I think that kind of like, hey, we wanna get better at our craft and that's what is fulfilling to us. So if we're doing your video, it has to be the coolest thing we've ever done. I think over three or four years, that kind of just like snowballs to where people are interested in working with us because of what we have done. Um, and we tried to pivot to being a creative firm and not just video producers. Obviously we do a ton of video. So so as a creative firm, I mean, for for those of us that are not sort of in that business, we might hire those, but what what is that? I mean, what as a founder, I mean, what do you want that to be? I think, for us, we we made that decision because we wanted to be able to bring creative ideas to the table with a client. Whereas if you're just like the technical person that's hitting record, that's needed and we do that, but we also help like with the whole creative concept that might be. Um, you know, like for someone like Bricker and Beam, it's super stylized and we got to do a lot of really cool stuff with, with music because we all have a music background. And then, you know, equally as fulfilling to us is like Richland School District 2 or something like that. And they want like a creative treatment for like all of their career tech programs, you know? So we come in and we help with that and what's it gonna look like and what's it gonna sound like. Um, so that's, it's like a very nuanced difference. I think we sometimes say like, we're your creative department, you know? And at a certain level, a business has to have that, right? You have your marketing department, you have a creative department. They work together. And so we kind of try to stay in that space because that's what we find the most fulfilling. What's it like to choose the work that you do? As opposed to, like you said, you know, there are people that have cameras and they can go shoot events. And there are a lot of people that do that or they'll say yes to that in addition to maybe other projects that they would prefer to do. But it sounds like, um, Pearson is, is at a point where you get to sort of have some some choice as the as the firm and not just hey this client will pay us. What's that What's that like? Yeah, I mean we we definitely still have to 
you know, be strategic with it, you sure. know, as far as like, you know, expenses and running a business. Um, I, I feel like in the last year and a half, really, especially the last year, the, the people that are approaching us, like are approaching us for that particular reason, like something unique or, or different or, you know, we really like the way this these photos looked and we want something similar. So, you know, it's just as pivoted recently where people are approaching us. So almost like everyone that we talk to, for the most part, has seen something or liked something that we've done and they're interested in pursuing that. As opposed to someone like Googling video videographer, you know, and hey, do you do weddings? We still get those. Um, weddings are terrifying to me because there's so much pressure, you know, um, but like it's all valuable and necessary. It's just sure. kind of like pivoting and, and trying to find that what we are most fulfilled in doing. So I think it's like you, you've kind of hit that, that vein that I think people dream about is where you're doing fulfilling work for people that want that kind of work. In other words, you can want it all you want, but if you don't find anybody that will hire you, then you know you, you have to do other things. And also, we, we did a lot of other things for a long time is, is what I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I also think it's interesting that, um, I think you said earlier, you know, we want the current thing we're doing to be the coolest thing we've ever done. I mean, so if you guys are setting your bar internally, I mean, is there is there a stopping point to that? I mean, is there a ceiling on that? I mean, what do you, what challenges could that present maybe in the future? <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't think there is a ceiling to it, which is, I think, the thing that's exciting about it. Because, I mean, in, in many, like a million ways where we are now, I never thought we would be here. Like some of the projects we've done in the past few months are things I never would have dreamed of us doing. Um, it, it's like the what's normalized, you know, like changes over and over again. And so for us, like, that's why it's really like a collective. It's like Eric and I and Micah, just basically pushing each other. Because if there's ever a moment where I'm like, I feel like this is pretty good, you know, then I'll show it and then they're gonna be like, no, we could be better, you know, or no, that is good, but, you know. So I think that's just kind of our approach to the whole thing. It's probably a terrible business approach, you know, but, but for us, it's kind of like, I mean, we did do this to pay some bills, be able to do things that we enjoy, but like, we, you know, enjoy the craft and want to do it better than we've done it before in different ways. And then, you know, and we can grow. I mean, there's, we can grow so much more, you know, and that's just kind of, I think without saying it, that's kind of just our, like, ethos. That's how we are operate in the office is just, this has to be the best thing we've done. You mentioned earlier about a, um, the three of you have a, have a background in music but also like performing music. I mean, are there are there um, lessons or, or even just experiences that you guys draw from performing musically that translate into sort of the, the business or, or the collective? I think so, but like maybe not the way that one might think. Okay. So, so Eric and I especially, I met Eric 22 years, three years ago, like a really long time ago, to play in a band and we toured and we played. And then he was in a band and then I was in a band that got signed and almost, you know, like all of these different things. There's a lot of people that can say that story. But what I, all that to say, when I started this, having the experience of like, I'm trying to make this, I'm trying to make it as a musician or a band. 
is a really big long shot that didn't work out. So I think when I began Pearson Collective and as, as a team, I feel like our goals and like what we're fulfilled by are a little more realistic. So what I mean is we met some really creative, amazing people over the summer. We were doing some stuff with USC. They were making a film, a feature film. And we were kind of documenting that process. All of those students, you know, it was like 70% student crew, unbelievably talented, right? And they're 22, they're 24, they're 19. They could be the next great filmmaker, right? They could be the next great screenwriter. Whereas we are like, it's never gonna happen. You know, like, <laughs> like in, in, for us, not for yeah, them, right? But right. for us. So when we get to do a really cool documentary project for a nonprofit here in Columbia, that's really exciting to us. Whereas some of those people might not find the same fulfillment, right? Because they still could potentially do X, Y, Z. So I think it's, it's almost like giving us like a more realistic, like um, outlook for what we might do. And I feel like we've we've surpassed that already, you know, in a very mod. I don't think uh, we have we haven't done these projects like, oh, this is so amazing. But what modest goals we had, we've passed them. And so I think that lesson of like the other thing we realized playing music and is it it's a, a lot of work and like 20 percent of it's playing music. You know, the other part of it is just traveling, logistics, like, you know, management kind of stuff. And that's helped us approach like the work of this business where it's just like a lot of it's not the most exciting thing it's not always like camera in hand running around shooting great shots and meeting cool people there's a lot of like in the office just editing or logistics and so it's helped us approach it all kind of in a like a healthier way i guess if that makes sense so yeah i think it's interesting this kind of this thread of um being realistic because i think some people if if they were just maybe reading like a transcript of this or, or maybe um, not not hearing how you explain it, think that that's just a form of a limitation. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like that being realistic um, has actually created a little bit of freedom and, and that the boundaries are, are, they're just not that, it's not that confining. For sure. Like... Yeah, like we can get excited about creating content for anyone for the most part, you know, and then like where that content's going to live and what that's going to do, we kind of have. And so, yeah, it's almost like we have no limitations because we have no like massive aspirations. It sounds kind of depressing when you say it that way, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I I mean, I don't think it's depressing. I mean, I, I think it I think it is a perspective that's probably necessary. I mean, because, you know, you consume media, I consume media, and I think there's a lot of messages out there about don't be limited. Like, you can do anything. You can do everything. But I think when you've had enough birthdays, you realize that that's not necessarily the truth. It does sound good. It provokes an emotional response, but then you've got to bring it back down to you know, 11 o'clock on a Thursday, you know, like, yeah. what are you, how are you really going to put that into, into action? And so when, when I'm hearing you talk about, you know, being realistic, especially based on previous experience and your stage in life, I, I mean, I guess I'm biased, but I do think that that's something that people need to know is okay. 
kind of let themselves off the hook. But it's not necessarily where they're settling or doing less than their potential. I think it's it's something quite different. Yeah, it's like trying to find fulfillment in where you're at. And then, but always like, I definitely feel like things could happen and we and we could do more, you know? So it's not like that. It's just that, you know, at this point, like I want to do good work and have a really happy clients and then like go home and hang out with my family, you know? And so there's like the balance of all of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we definitely enjoy being challenged at a production level. Like we've had some projects this month that were, you know, we're like, oh, wow, I, th I think we can do this, you know? And then and we, and we could, we, it, it worked out and it was fine. So we like to be challenged and we feel confident in our abilities, but we're also fulfilled in like most of the projects that we're doing currently. What do you see out there, I mean, for Pearson, not necessarily maybe from a business standpoint, if you will, although I think we want to get to that, but I mean, what about what's on the project bucket list? I mean, hypothetically, I mean, what are, what are the kinds of things that now that you've done what you've done, you've chosen to be challenged. What, what would you like to be doing? What, what are, what are the things out there that. Yeah, I think project wise, I, we really enjoy doing documentary work. Okay. Um, I think in some ways it's kind of become something we're known for, kind of. Like, um, if you look at the, the projects we've done recently, that's kind of been in that. But I think we like to take a, they're usually like really running gun, kind of quick, you know, a few months here or there. I think we'd like to do like a longer one, you know, where we get to kind of like unpack that story a little more and then visualize that. Um, that would be really, really cool. We did something really close to some narrative filmmaking two weeks ago, which we, was like kind of new for us and it went well. So like, we're kind of interested in that. Um, you know, I don't have any like, oh, this project would be, you know, it'd be great to do some documentary work for like a big cycling company or a skate company or something like that. But I'm sure all the other guys would have, you know, different opinions on that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of, the projects are growing, the scopes are growing, so it's really interesting to be in that now. So we're like, I have a friend who does what we do like up in North Carolina, and he is the king of like pitching. Like he'll just be like, I wanna work with all these companies and he'll like do all these crazy pitches. And sometimes it works out, you know? And I'm like, should we be doing that or something? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just kind of all been, you know, internal who we know and word of mouth spreading. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're letting your your work sort of be the calling card. You know, you're you're putting the work out there. People see it, and then I guess the phone rings or the text comes in and says, "Hey, can you do that for me?" Is that how it's working right now? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, um, I think the other thing that we'd be, we'd like to do more of that we haven't been able to do a ton of is like audio branding. Obviously, all of us have a music background. Um, we got to do some of that for Bricker and Beam a few years ago. It's something that. I think you have to be a certain size company to understand it, you know, like, you know, McDonald's or something where we all know that we can all sing that, right? Um, that would be really interesting. We, we just would be really interested in doing that kind of work. Um, we, we already make most of the music for our clients internally just because it's easier that way. We can kind of create what we want. So I think something like having those kinds of projects would be 
really, really cool. Um, that just hasn't, for whatever reason, gotten traction with clients that we're currently working with. So I want to kind of go back to something you said earlier on when you were talking about you know, when you were still teaching, but thinking that this was what you know you wanted to do and trying to determine like, do I do I jump? Do I not? But you said you talked to your wife about it, and, and almost there was an immediate positive and encouraging response. Uh, I think anyone who's done anything difficult and, and is in a, a marital relationship knows, like if you when you have that kind of support, I mean it's it's uh, essential. Um, but talk about what was that like when, what was it like to get that reaction from that person for that thing? Uh, you know, I was really unhappy teaching. And so I think she, as a partner, was just like wanted to see me do something that, that, that brought me joy. And then, you know, obviously that trickles down to the whole family, you know, like, and so, but when it was like, no, I think, I'm really going to do this. She just kept being like, yeah, I think you should. You should try. Totally. You know, um, we haven't, I guess I should ask her, but there was no like one moment of like, hey, I'm going to do this and her being like, okay. It was just this subtle kind of, I think I'm going to try this and see what happens. And um, like I said, it was always like, but if it doesn't work out, it's fine. You know, and we kept, <clears throat> excuse me, we kept kind of approaching it in that way. And then it's just kind of like snowball to where we are now. Um, but I, we were just talking about the other night and she was just said like, for her, because she has a job that she loves very much. And so now we can both have that. And it's just a really, you know, great environment for, for us and for our kids to, you know, we all, we all have bad days, but on the whole, like we really enjoy our work. And so that's a great kind of baseline to have, um, you know, the work-life balance. How do you, so you mentioned that, you know, she has a work that she's doing that she finds fulfilling and then now you've got the same and that that's cool that you both have it. Have you thought about how that could affect your children? I mean, certainly, you know, the financial provision and all that stuff, but I mean, outside of outside of those direct things, do you, do you sense that there's an indirect benefit that your children get from that? I mean, I think so. I, I mean, we both get home early, earlier than normal, like than we used to. And um, I think, you know, my my daughter is almost nine, and she's, you know, she's like, I'm I'm gonna start a business and I'm gonna take photos, you know, which is like inevitable. I think, um, and she, she's good at it. She's interested in it. So I think, um, yeah, there's like this subconscious. We can be around more. We can be present more. And we're not bringing work home. I mean, we do, but not in the same way that I might have in my past life. And that definitely, you know, we had a busy two weeks of our work, you know, and my son who's seven was like, dad, you know, like what's going on? You know, it was so abnormal. And so I think that it's, it's you know, normalized for them in a way that they, they might not understand until they're older. But I definitely think that they have the benefit of like, two parents who are pretty laid back when they get home and, you know, and they are interested in our work because we like to talk about it, you know, and when I, when I get home, they always want to see like, what did you work on today? You know, and I'll show them. So there is that element to it for sure. Yeah. I've kind of wondered, <clears throat> you know, when children are around parents that enjoy what they're doing, um, 
And, and again, I haven't heard you mention billions of dollars or fame and fortune, but you know, you, you do enough where the provision is there to take care of the family. But to me, there's gotta be some rub off effect on just attitudes toward work. You know, if you have parents that just always or that complain a lot about work conditions or things like that, some of that might be beyond their control. But, you know, I got to think that that rubs off on, on children in terms of how they look at work. You know, if mom and dad were always talking about blank, 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 or, you know, they were mad when they came home or they were, you know, and again, it has nothing to do with the child, but it's it's how that, that parent spent the last nine or 10 hours, you know, I, I think kind of kind of rubs off and I think also too like our daughter especially seeing I was a teacher and then I left and now I'm doing this you know I think that's an important shift to see for a child going into whatever the future is going to be right like what's what's college going to be in 10 years like what is like our our job in this way didn't really exist seven eight years ago Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so I think Having that like shift where it's not like my dad who worked his whole life at like a one business, mm-hmm. you know, it, like that just doesn't exist in the same way, and that's okay. And you can pivot to something that's even better, you know, potentially. So that's an important thing for them to see, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. My, my generation, I mean, our generation, I mean, my parents both worked at one place. Um, my dad actually switched jobs, but within the same profession. But it was it was there was not really much change. Yeah. Uh, and my, my mother was a school teacher for my mom taught school thirty six years. So um, my dad was in textiles. So around two thousand, that all shifted. So he had to he had to pivot. But he was there for twenty years. You know. So yeah. yeah. Um. So I know you said earlier, like there there's not really a whiteboard with a with a goal written on it. Um. And you talked some about the the pr- types of projects that you'd like to do, but. I mean, just as we as we kind of try to land this, I mean, what what do you think is next, or what do you think is upcoming for Pearson Collective? I mean, we are trying to grow the the team, so we have some we have you know a handful of people that we bring on whenever we can, like contract them in. They like as a collective, I I like the idea of like everyone kind of being W two, not having to worry about that end of year surprise, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, um, and so we have a few other people or one other person that's going to come on in some capacity. And then we're looking at, you know, all the things that you're supposed to do as a business, like we're looking at our processes and how we can make those better. And, you know, talking to a few people as far as that goes, um, those are kind of the, the, the things that are on the radar. Um, we've done some branding work in the past and we kind of, I've gotten so busy doing the creative photo video work that we haven't had time to kind of grow that in the way we want to. And so the goal is with those people in place that we can kind of give some attention to that side. Um, as far as like brand messaging, you know, logo design, things that we've done for probably like, you know, 10 clients over the past few years, just kind of under the radar, not under the radar, just kind of getting into knowing a client and they have a need and we can kind of help them with that. Um, but we wanted to be, make sure that we could do the thing that we love to do as like excellently as possible before we start. We didn't want to just like try to do everything all at once, which is actually how I set out, you know, like in my ignorance four years ago. And then I was like, whoa, wait a minute, there's a lot going on here. So I've kind of 
niche down. Isn't that what they say? Riches in the niches? Niches? Yeah. You know? So that's kind of the the big picture for us over the next few months. Okay. Um, Chad, when someone's listening to this and they want to either hire you or come work for you or whatever, like where can where can people find you? Yeah, so our website is thepearson.com because the Pearson Collective was already taken. <laughs> so that's what our website is. And then I think we're just the Pearson Collective on Instagram and Facebook. Is that right? I think it's just the Pearson Collective. I should give you a card now or something. Um, but yeah, there aren't many other Pearson Collectives that I'm aware of. Yeah. So that's that's us. Well, thank you for sitting down. Thank you for doing this. I know I had to kind of twist your arm a little bit to, to do that, but I, I've been waiting for this for this episode. I mean, you guys have helped us in the footnotes effort. I mean, there would be no footnotes without Pierce. I mean, really, it would just be us sitting on teams, making a crappy recording um, and putting that out there. And that's not what we wanted to do. I mean, we wanted to create something that people would actually watch. And even though we podcasted, I mean, they're listening, but the audio quality and all that stuff, I mean, that's that's what we wanted and, and it we would not be doing it without you guys. Well, thank you. Thanks for trusting us with it. And thanks for the guys. It's a team effort very much. So cool. Thank you.